0: To Sports Betting Daily. How we doing on a Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Today is the 25th, May 25th. How we do out there. How's your week so far? On today's show, we're gonna talk about money management, bankroll management, and betting strategies. It's gonna be a, a decent length show, and we're gonna go into some different things, some different topics, and it's kind of an all-encompassing show. For how to change your approach or how to refine your approach to start making a little bit more here or there. We talk about this all the time. The margins in sports betting, right? The, the, the margins that we have are so thin, we always have to be looking out for the best lines, best prices. But We also have to know how the industry works and how to manage what we do. Right, it's not enough to sign up with sports books and, and handicap and just get your games in. There's management of your money, of your reputation, and that's a big deal if you're gonna get kicked out of sports books. And then within that, there's strategies for how to bet. How do you decide how much to bet per game? Right. There's a lot that goes into accurately, smartly going about this in a profitable way. So on today's show, we'll talk about money management, bankroll strategies, betting strategies, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Special thanks to Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy online or download the app. Have more fun and make more money betting player props. If you're a player prop better, you need to be with Thrive Fantasy. Like I said, you'll make a lot more money and I think you'll have more fun. Part of what they do is daily fantasy style games with player props as your lineup. Check them out online thrivefantasy.com or download the app. The important thing though is put in promo code SBD for a sports betting daily SBD when you're signing up that gets you a 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. Thrive Fantasy promo code SBD. All right, so as I said, today's show all about money management and bankroll management. Now, managing a bankroll, it's, it's very, very difficult. Anyone who's bet with more than five outs or so, you understand this. And the thing that makes it so difficult is that it's, it's inevitable that over the course of time, some accounts will go up, other accounts will go down. I mean, let's just say you have $1,000 in five different accounts. It's almost guaranteed. It's inevitable. One of them is going to creep up to $2,000 and another one is going to get whittled down to 100 bucks. Now, it may seem like an easy solution. Okay. Let's take the money out of the out, of the out where we have $2,000 and just deposit some of that into the website where we have $100 and bet away. But it's never that easy. It usually takes time to get the money out. There's a, there's a process. Logistically, it's not as easy as just transferring money around. Okay. Well, that's fine. I'll just deposit again into my account with $100. Well, that's again, not ideal either, because now you're throwing off your total bankroll. I call that betting inflation. And yeah, that that's a sharp angle term here. That's coined right here on the show. And what betting inflation is, is when you have a certain bankroll, again, for this example, $5,000 bankroll, $1,000 in five different websites. Well, if one of the websites gets down to 100 bucks and you just willy nilly put another $500 into that site. Now your overall bankroll is not $5,000. It's $5,500. So you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be changing your overall bankroll and injecting inflation into your outs. You're artificially injecting money into your account. And in turn, that changes the overall bankroll, which inevitably is going to change your bet sizes. So, dealing with the ebbs and flows is very, very difficult. You can't just deposit when you want to, and it's a lot harder than just taking money out of a, a, a winning account and putting it in an account you're losing in. The other obvious setback is that when your money is in these books, well, that's the only thing you can spend that money on. Bets from that specific sports book. It doesn't give you a lot of options to do things with your money. So, look, to solve this, you've got to look ahead. You've got to see where your action is, see where your action is going, and take a lot of that money out preemptively. If you're up $2,000 or if you're up a couple thousand dollars in one account, if you started with a grand, you're up to two grand, maybe 2,500. Take that money out proactively. Don't wait until you need that money. Take it out beforehand, keep it on the side, and then you can inject it into one of your, um, one of your other outs without adjusting the inflation. So I think that you should always be proactively taking money out of the winning accounts. And on the same hand, have some of your bankroll in an account that's not a sports book. That may your maybe your bank account. That may be whatever, okay? Have it in an account that's not a sports book. So if something happens to where one of your accounts gets whittled down to 100 bucks, now you can inject money in there. So the idea would be instead of starting with $1,000 in five different accounts, Start with 900 in five different accounts and just have 500 bucks on the side, or excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, 500 bucks on the side, $100 from each account. That That's very doable. Now you can put that 500 into any account when necessary, and you're not adjusting your overall bankroll. You're not adding inflation. So again, two things, preemptively taking money out is very beneficial because if you have, if you need to put it anywhere, you'll have it ready to go, and second of all, have some of your bankroll in an account that's not a sports book. So if you need to inject some of your role into a specific book, you can do that. And last, always stick to your preferred betting system. Now, we're, we're going to talk about betting systems here in a minute, but this is important. No matter how you bet, whether it's most of you are betting in units from what I can see on Twitter, or if it's Kelly Criterion, you've got to stick to your system. So let's go over some betting systems. We're going to talk about several here, some of which I do not recommend. And let's start off with the less effective systems, the first of which is the Martingale. A lot, of, a lot of you have probably heard of several of these systems, but the Martindale system, which was introduced in 1934 by Paul Levy, goes something like this. Every time you lose one of your bets, you double your bet. Therefore over the course of a certain amount of outcomes, you're expected to break even on your original bet. And these are effective in, you know, 50-50 bets, like betting on red or black at the roulette wheel. So if you do so, if you bet on black at the roulette wheel, and it comes up red, and you you, you spent a dollar, we'll say the minimums are a dollar per bet, you put a dollar down, bet on black, and up comes red. Well, the next bet you put down $2. If you lose that, the next bet you put down, four dollars. If you lose that, the next bet you put down, eight dollars. Now, on the surface, it seems like it can't be beaten. Well, every time you lose, you just make your money back up. But the downside here is that people wildly underestimate how often these numbers show up—five, six, seven, eight, nine times in a row, or red show up nine times in a row, or black show up nine times in a row. Like, this is a very, very real thing. If you guys don't believe me, sit there and flip a coin, uh, a quarter a thousand times in a row. You're going to get several, several times where you get 10 blacks in a row, 10 reds in a row. It's not that uncommon, or at least as uncommon as most people uh, perceive it to be. As a matter of fact, part of the motivation, again, I'd said uh, Paul Levy introduced this in 1934. He did not name this. This was worked on the, the, uh, martingale system was worked on for a long time by groups of individuals led by joseph leo dub this was in the early 1900s okay and actually if you go back and look at the encyclopedia of mathematics in the 1930s you'll see a lot of uh, uh proof that joseph leo dub and his staff, when they were coming up with the Martingale system, part of their motivation for the work was to show the impossibility of successful betting strategies in games of chance. So actually, this whole thing in the Martingale system was derived and created because a group of people were trying to prove that you can't win in games of chance. So you combine the fact with Everyone really, really underestimates how much you know reds are going to come up in a certain amount of time. Blacks come up in a row. This is not a winning system because over the course of time, it's a very, very low ceiling. It's it's very uh, uh, high risk, low reward. The risk is that if you lose six times in a row, now it's one, two, four dollars, eight dollars, $16, 32 bucks. Now you're risking on that seventh roll. $64 just to get back your $1. So your risk, your risk profile is crazy high with the Martingale betting system. And the, the, the benefit is that the best you'll do over the course of time is, is, is break even. And here's the thing with Martingale and the next system we're going to be talking about, the upside is very little because If you win in martingale, if you put down a dollar, win that initial, right? It comes out uh, black, right? Martingale system does not have you bet $2 the next roll. It has you bet a dollar again. So if you get on a heater and you hit 10 reds in a row or 10 blacks in a row, you've won $10. If for some reason it goes the other way and you've lost 10 blacks in a row, that means you are now down a total of $512. Let's look at each side. You win 10 times in a row, you're up 10 bucks. You lose 10 times in a row, you're down $512. And that's only betting one on $1 units. 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, so on and so forth. So, clearly martingale is not an ideal betting system but it's so funny if you if you go to youtube or you know something like that you'll find a lot of martingale proponents i watched a video last night doing some prep for this and it's (laughs) i wish i could remember you know what we're gonna actually look it up real quick so i can give it to you guys hang on all right it's called on youtube roulette win the win is in all caps roulette win Every time Strategy Two Accelerated Martingale. And you guys have to watch this because again, Roulette win every time Strategy Two Accelerated Martingale. That's the title on YouTube. And I mean it's 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 funny. This guy is a goofball and he's trying to explain his modified version in quotes, his modified version of the Martingale system and why it is so effective. Just watch the video. You'll get a kick out of it. This guy is a, he's a goofball and he's completely off here because again, he's assuming and everyone else who plays Martindale strategy assumes, Oh, come on. What are the odds of getting, you know, eight reds in a row? But the misstep in logic here is not that you're going for eight reds in a row, it's that you won't get whatever you're betting on, in this case, the black, eight times in a row. Because on a roulette wheel, it's not an exactly 50-50 split. Every 50-50 payout in Vegas is not exactly 50-50. There's a reason for that. So if you're playing roulette, like which most people apply this betting strategy to, or if you want to use it in sports betting, be my guest, but um, we're going to stick with a simple example for today. If you don't hit black eight times in a row that doesn't mean it was all reds it could have been a couple double zeros in there so you're overestimating the likelihood of not hitting eight in a row based on these small factors now again i want to say this it is very unlikely you're going to hit eight in a row of either one but it's certainly not unheard of and anybody going to the roulette table with a thousand dollars ready to play in the martingale system there's going to be a lot more times than not you're walking away losing that thousand dollars So it's not a good option. Again, the creators of this system did so to prove to all you guys it doesn't work. Yet, you all still seem, well, some of you still want to seem to use the Martingale betting system. And I guarantee you, over the course of time, it is a losing system. Now let's move on to the Fibonacci betting, uh, betting system. This is very similar to Martingale. The only difference with Fibonacci is you're not doubling your bet every time. Now the Fibonacci uh, the Fibonacci sequence is what the Fibonacci betting system is uh, kind of based on. It was created in uh, the, the the early 1200s by Leonardo Fibonacci. He was born in 1170. This dude was a genius, uh, and he contributed a lot to the world of math. But the main thing he contributed was the Fibonacci sequence. And it goes something like this. If you add the sum of two numbers to the previous number, you'll get the next number in the sequence. So uh, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13. This is the Fibonacci sequence. Why? Because uh, 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 1 equals 3. 3 plus 2 equals 5. 5 plus 3 equals 8. 8 plus 5 equals 13. 13 plus 8 equals 21. Okay, so that's how you get the numbers. Again, the Fibonacci sequence goes 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and so on. Now... It's a similar strategy to Martingale, but the only difference here is you're getting diminishing returns when you get your money back. If you make it to roll seven or eight and you keep losing, you're not going to make back all of your money like you would in Martingale. You're only going to make back a portion of it. For example, if you get to roll number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, if you've lost nine in a row and you're on roll 10 using the Fibonacci sequence, you would be at a $55 bet. If you're on the Martingale system, you would be at a $512 bet. So obviously way lower risk profile with Fibonacci. But the, the, the difference is it's diminishing returns. So if you win that $55 bet on the 10th spin, you still lost well over, I think it's something like $34 total. So it's kind of hedging, making sure you're not betting as much. But this is a, a, a terribly uh, scared way to approach betting. It's far worse than Martingale because not only are you... Uh, well, it, it, it's, it's worse than Martingale because at least in Martingale, if you hit one of those numbers later on, which is, is going to happen in, in every night at every casino, seven, eight in a row Reds, eight in a row Blacks, when that happens in Martingale at least you're getting your money back. With Fibonacci, you're slowly bleeding yourself out. And the winning numbers, right, the dollar for each or the one unit for each is the same increase. So if you're winning 10 Martingale bets, that's 10 bucks. If you win 10 Fibonacci bets, that's 10 bucks. But the ceiling comes down with Fibonacci in terms of the money you're wasting, But if you happen to hit on one of the Martingales, you're making all your money back compared to Fibonacci. Now, this is negligible. The difference between Martingale, Fibonacci, both are poor, both are losing over the long run, and both certainly have no chance of beating any, any casino games, much less sports betting games. Both of those systems, Martingale and Fibonacci, are high risk, low reward. You would have to go on quite a hot streak to even make a little bit of money betting those systems. Because again, you don't double your bet if you win. You keep betting in single units. So if you win a dollar, you don't bet two the next time. You bet one. It's a very low ceiling. And if you happen to get on a few unlucky runs, you're now spending close to your entire bankroll to get that one dollar back. These systems are not good. Let's move on to the third system. Another very bad system. This is called the let it ride system. Pretty self-explanatory you double your bet every time you win and go for broke. This is a very high uh, this is a very high risk but high reward also. It's very high risk because the odds of you winning even 3 50% bets in a row is 12.5%. And if you're betting with $100 units, that's $700 in profit every 3 bets and then the 100 you started with, so 800 total. So the reward is certainly high and you can if you get on a hot streak really run that money up quickly. But the issue is it only takes one loss for you to lose everything. The let it ride better is risking 100% of his bankroll every single bet. And for my good betters out there, you know, there's no such thing as a sure thing. So if you're risking 100% of your bankroll every time, yeah, you're going to have some big wins, but that one loss comes comes around and you're done. So the let it ride is clearly not an ideal system. I would absolutely prefer Martin or Fibonacci to that. If we had to pick between the three, let it ride would certainly be my last choice. No doubt about it. Now we're getting to the two profitable systems, fixed unit betting and Kelly criterion. Let's start with fixed unit betting. The fixed unit betting system is probably, well, probably it is for sure the most common public betting system out there. If you guys spend any time on Twitter, this is what 99% of Twitter touts use. One units, uh, five unit play, so on and so forth. Now, the fixed unit betting system is still profitable. It actually is. If you go back to our podcast, or excuse me, if you go to our Twitter, at SharpAnglePod, we posted a picture, a graph of the Average expected outcomes from all of these different systems, except for Let It Ride, because it's ridiculous. But we put we posted a graph of the outcomes of all these different systems on our uh, Twitter. Go check it out, at SharpEnglePod. The post was about a week and a half ago. But my point is, a fixed unit betting system, if you are a, uh, a winning better and, and, and a good handicapper, it can be profitable over the long run. The only issue is, it's not nearly as profitable as the Kelly Criterion. But a fixed a fixed unit betting system goes something like this you divide your bankroll into units. A lot of people will suggest about 5% or so of your bankroll. So if you have a thousand dollar bankroll, your units will be $50. And a lot of bettors will bet on unit systems. So if you bet a game, it's a one-unit bet, right? Classic bets are one unit. If you feel pretty good about a game, you might make it a two- or three-unit bet. Hell, if you want to make it the absolute max can't-miss play of the year, we see a lot of five- and ten-unit bets on Twitter, okay? So the idea is you're betting within that increment that you've established before you even started betting. That is your unit. And units are are, uh, unique to each and every one of us. It's based on our starting bankroll and a unit is, you know, a unit could be 500 bucks for one person. It could be $5 for another person. But the idea is you bet in your units. So if you bet a two unit game and your units are five bucks, it's a $10 bet. If you bet a two unit game and your units are 500 bucks, it's a thousand dollar bet. The fixed unit betting system is a winning one. As long as you stick to fixed units, what I was just explaining, when you start betting three units, five units, 10 units, is this is bettors trying to integrate ideas of Kelly Criterion in a, in a fixed unit system, but it just doesn't work. And here's why. If you're going to increase your bets past one unit, there needs to be more nuance in how much those bets should increase. Just to, just to take it from one unit, one unit to two units is lazy, sloppy, and mathematically not accurate at all. Because if you have an edge... The idea that you're at your edge would suddenly double your bet is is a negative EV because over the long run, what's going to happen is you're going to stack your bets up, and you won't know whether it's a great bet that you have a lot on or whether it's a poor bet. And if you're consistently betting 10 units on games you feel really good about, but maybe your edge requires that you bet 8.6 units or 7.4 units instead of 10. Over the long run, you're going to lose more money than you needed to because you don't have a more nuanced way of saying, this is exactly how much it should be. You rarely, almost never, never, never see people on Twitter say, this is going to be a 1.7 unit bet. It's either a one unit bet or a two unit bet. And the idea that there's no nuance to where you should accurately invest based on your edge makes no sense to me. If we have a 1% edge... We want to make a different bet compared to if we had a 1.7% edge. And again, we want to make a different bet from those if we have a 2.3% edge. It's a sliding scale. It's not like it goes from one unit to two units, and that's a clean bet or a clean differentiation. It needs to be much more nuanced than that. So actually, I greatly reject the idea of betting 10-unit play of the days because you're risky. You don't know the risk profile. You don't know what that bet should be. You just feel really good about it. So uh, 10-unit bet or uh, 8-unit bet or uh, 5-unit bet. There needs to be a reason, a specific mathematical reason as to why you're increasing those, those bets and those units. But in general, if you stick to single unit bets, it is a profitable system in the long run. You just can't get crazy and start betting all different kinds of money. And that brings us to the Kelly Criterion, the single most profitable betting system that exists today. The Kelly Criterion was invented in 1956 by L, excuse me, by J.L. Kelly Jr. If you guys are interested, he worked at Bell Labs, by the way. If you guys are interested in learning about the Kelly Criterion, I posted a link on Twitter to the book, or at least to the Audible version of the book. It's called Fortune's Formula. It's a great book, and actually, it's like the most in-depth look at the Kelly Criterion. The entire book is about the Kelly Formula. So, if you guys are interested in this, I highly recommend reading or listening to Fortune's Formula. But, again, uh, it was invented in the 1950s, and the thing with Kelly Criterion is it maximizes profits while minimizing losses. And actually, it's the only formula that will instruct you not to make a bet when the odds aren't right. Any of, the, of these other systems, the fixed unit betting system, the Let It Ride, Fibonacci, Martingale, you can stroll into a casino, sit down at a blackjack table, a roulette table, and bet away. Well, if you walk into a blackjack table and you sit down and plug the numbers into Kelly Criterion, you know what the Kelly Criterion is going to tell you to do? Get up and walk away because <laughs> it's not a winning bet. So this is why the Kelly Criterion is inherently better than the others. The formula, the algorithm, which it, which it gives you the information, it'll tell you when you just walk away. Just don't make a bet. And on that same note, it will let you know exactly how much of your bankroll you should be betting based on your perceived edge. Now, betting in Kelly Criterion comes down to the, depend- the dependence of two things. Your edge and your bankroll. Now, this is where it gets kind of tricky, because everything... This is why Kelly Criterion is really only for uh, advanced bettors to to extremely advanced bettors. Because everything in Kelly boils down to the accuracy of your edge. If you think that your team that you're betting on has a 57% chance to win the game and they are charging as if they have a 55% chance to win the game, you now have a 2% edge. The difference in a 2% edge, 57%, and a 3% edge, 58%, is quite substantial. I mean, in some bankrolls, let's say you have a $10,000 bankroll, that difference in 1% could mean hundreds of dollars difference in your bet. So you have to have a very, very accurate way of producing the edge. And the outcome of the game, if you don't, and you're just guessing, don't use Kelly Criterion because you're going to waste your money. But if you have a good way of determining edge and exactly how much edge you have over any given bet, there's no better system than Kelly Criterion because a fixed unit betting system, if a unit is 5% of your bankroll and you're making a, I don't know, 10 unit bet, that's now 50% of your bankroll, right? Right. That's a lot of your bankroll when you don't know if that's the correct amount to be betting. What Kelly Criterion will do is if it's appropriate to bet half your bankroll, it'll say bet half your bankroll. If it's appropriate to bet uh, 0.42% of your bankroll, it'll give you that exact number. So we're not working on this fixed unit system to where we have to go from one to two to three to whatever units. It's far more nuanced and it's far more accurate for your risk profile in any given bet. So as long as you can accurately estimate within a couple percentage uh, decimal points your edge, and you know what your total bankroll is, you can get a Kelly Criterion number easy. And this is not a tough formula. Matter of fact, go online. There are several public ways to use Kelly Criterion. It's not that difficult of a system. What it comes down to is implement, implementing it the correct way. So when we talk about bankroll management, clearly, Kelly Criterion and fixed unit betting and fixed unit betting are the best systems. No doubt about it. Both are winning. It's just over the long run, you're going to win more with Kelly Criterion. Let's give an example. If you bet the same amount of, of money over one year, and this is kind of uh, uh, arbitrary, but just stick with me, over a year, you might make $100,000 in Kelly Criterion for the fixed unit betting system, you may make 80-85,000. So it's not that different after 1 year. You may even make 90 to 95,000. So things are pretty close there for a while. But after the course of 10 years, the Kelly criterion if it made $10 million, the fixed unit betting system would have made about $1 million. Now here's the thing. Is there anything wrong with a $1 million dollar profit over 10 years? Of course not. But we're talking about maximizing your profitability. And if you use Kelly Criterion, over the long run, it is exponentially better than the fixed unit betting system. So in terms of bankroll management, I would use for sure, if you're a new better, stick to the fixed units because you don't want to... A, risk a lot more money than you should because you're off on some of your projections. And B, the fixed unit betting system is much more... uh, You're not riding heavy waves. You know, if you have a couple losses, fine. If you have a couple wins, great. But it's much more of a steady increase compared to Kelly Criterion where you're going to hit some ups and you're going to hit some downs. The Let It Ride system, the Fibonacci system, and the Martingale system are not winning. If you're looking at good bankroll management, do not implement any of those at all. Now, Let's move on from systems. Let's talk more about some nuanced ideas. These ideas are how to attack the books, how to find certain edges here or there. And this is kind of a a paradoxical thing, because look, if I give away all my ideas, all my edges, all my strategies, well, there won't be anything left for me to bet on. (laughs) You know, that's the thing with sports betting information. The more everyone else knows... It's harder for the individuals like me to win. So when I give examples on how to take advantage of the sports book, I will often give examples from past events to give you guys an idea how to approach uh, beating these books, right? Use these ideas and try and apply them in things today. Let me give you an example. Jumping on an early angle, okay? When when, When Major League Baseball... Had a sudden spike in scoring, whenever that was last year, a couple years ago. Um, there was speculation on ESPN, on some of the major outlets. What's going on? You know, there was rumors of doctored baseballs. There were rumors of of juice baths. Right. No one knew exactly what was going on, but we knew the numbers were up. They were showing consistently. Okay. And about three months after the spike. Well, Rob Manford came out and said, yeah, 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 you guys are right. There's a new manufacturing process, and the baseballs were produced to be more, quote, live. Well, if you picked up on this trend and started betting this trend in the three months before Rob Manford made an announcement, you could have actually capitalized and made some good money. Because you're betting into a real angle, not a trend, but an angle, that the public hasn't caught up to yet. We knew something was off. But the books aren't going to fully adjust their prices, especially on over-unders, if they have a hunch. We need to know what's going on. And until Rob Manfred said for sure that that the baseballs were being produced different, the lines didn't change concrete until then. So if you noticed this this angle, and if you started to bet into it in the couple months leading up to Rob Manfred announcing it, what you could have done, the smartest thing, that you could have done would have been to round robin every game into every other game that day. Because here's the thing, mathematically, if your angle was right and your, your angle was correct and something was going on to impact scoring, if the chances of you winning one of your bets was increased, now the chances of you winning all of your bets is increased. So by round robinning them and parlaying essentially each game with every other game and, and, and give, coming up with every combination you can of those days' games, we as bettors are using parlay odds as a weapon. You know, this is a time when you should be making parlays and round robins. Again, because the chances of one being right means the chances of them all being correct are increased. All of this would happen because you noticed and bet into an angle that wasn't being picked up by the public yet. All of this because you had a hunch and you bet into it, covering most of the overs in those parlays and winning a lot of money. So my point here is when you see an angle, it's not enough just to make a couple bets into it. You have to use the tools at your disposal to maximize your profits. If we notice this, this increase in scoring and we just make a single bet on every game, we're really minimizing our chance to, 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 to make a lot of money because you're approaching it from that sort of steady, but, but, but calm increase. Now we still would have won the majority of our bets, but would we have maximized our profit? No. So that's an example of how you can use an angle and how you can use the tools at your disposal to max your profit and guarantee that you're taking down the house edge as much as possible. Now let's move on to an example that you guys can actually use today. This is an example of how using math is often the way to see the truth and the best way to bet. And while things may seem counterintuitive that we're about to talk about, this is all, all mathematically proven and really the best way to go about maximizing money for bonuses. So let's talk about bonuses and how you guys can start using uh, bonuses to create somewhat of an edge for yourself against a sports book. Bonuses. Now, this is for 95% of bettors. If, if you got a couple guys out there who know how to beat the house, know how to get an edge, if you're t- truly winning better, bonuses are pretty easy. You just get the winning bets, or you just get the bonus, you make your winning bets until you hit your rollover limit, and then you can take your money out. But for probably the majority of people, I mean, probably every person <laughs> who I'm talking to today who's listening it's rare to have a huge edge against the sports book, right? So the way that you actually try and approach these bonuses is not to grind out the bonus into a uh, into an amount that you can take out or to hit your rollover. It's trying to hit big with bonuses. Let's go into detail here. Most bettors don't have an edge, like a true edge consistently. So that, by definition, makes the vast majority of bettors about 50-50 sports bettors. Most people will win about half their bets over the long run. And that is talking about the vast majority of people. They'll win really close to 50% of their bets over a long given amount of time. But typical bets offer about a 5% hold, which means that the typical better will lose about 5% of his or her bankroll every time they go through a sequence of betting the bankroll. So let's look at the expected outcome For the average bonus, you guys get on whatever your favorite website is, and they're offering a bonus. They'll match your deposit, and there's a twenty times rollover, which is actually quite common. It's it's actually pretty average in the industry. So you put in five hundred, you get five hundred back, and now you have a thousand in your account. The rules of the sports book stipulate: before you take that money out, you have to spend or gamble ten thousand dollars. And then you hit your rollover limit. Then you can take that money out. Well, the 20 times rollover, again, requires you bet $10,000. And with a 5% hold, your expected outcome after betting $10,000, you expect to lose 500 bucks. That's 5%. Which happens to be the exact amount of the bonus itself. And that's expecting a 5% hold for every bet, which is actually very unlikely, especially with some of the new domestic books. But my point is, these bonuses aren't meant to give you more money. They're meant to incentivize you to make more bets to in turn lose more money. The sports books are set up to force you to lose. So in this scenario, you put in 500, you get 500 back. Most people over the course of betting that $10,000 will either lose their money or best case is pretty much end up breaking even because of that 5% hold. They're expecting, they being the sports books, are expecting to make that money back. As a matter of fact, they pretty much calculate it in when they give you that $500 bonus up front. So what do we do? How do we handle that $500 bonus and the 500 cash we have in there to maximize our profits? Hold on, because this is going to seem very counterintuitive, but it makes sense you bet it all. You bet the thousand dollars on an underdog. Now I want to say this and I will reiterate this later. This strategy is for those who are comfortable spending losing $500. If you have $500 and let's face it, several rounds of $500 to make this work, this is for sure the best system. But for many of you out there, you know, getting the $500 and grinding it, that's much safer. So if $500 is a lot of money and you can't wait lose that, don't follow this system. But for those who can lose 500 who can afford it, who can risk to do it, this is certainly the best outcome. So let's play this out. We have $1,000 in our account. We will bet the $1,000 on an underdog. Betting the entire amount here is key. We want to max out the chance we go for broke. Now, the example I'm going to be giving is from a book titled uh, The Logic of Sports Betting. It's by Ed Miller and uh, Matthew uh, Davidow. Very good book. And the reason I'm using an example from their book is because this is very nuanced, very complicated. It would just be so much easier for you guys to give you this example. Let's say. In this, in this example, you have put in 500, you've gotten 500 back in your bonus, you have $1,000 in your account. We're going to bet that $1,000 on a plus 200 underdog. Now let's say, hypothetically speaking, that underdog has a 31% chance to win the game. That means 69% of the time, you'll lose your money. You'll bust the account. 31% of the time, you'll win. So the theoretical loss for that bet, the theoretical loss for that bet is actually only negative $70. You can calculate that by doing negative 0.69 times thousand plus 0.31 times 2000. Again, that equals negative $70 theoretical loss every time. Now, if you lose that first bet, <laughs> I understand. It certainly won't feel like a $71 theoretical loss. It'll feel like you just lost 500 goddamn dollars. I understand that. But my point is that this is the expected outcome. This is what the math tells us we should do. It's not zero or negative 500. It's only negative $70. Again, the other 31% of the time, we now have $3,000 in our bankroll with $9,000 left to bet. And 31% is not impossible. Okay, so let's follow our analogy along. We now hit that bet, and we have three thousand dollars in our bankroll, or at least, not our bankroll. We'll say our account, whatever specific ca- account this is. You started with a thousand. Now you have three thousand. The uh, the win of two thousand dollars because it was a plus two hundred underdog in the original thousand dollars. We have nine thousand left to bet in our rollover. So what do we do? We do it again. We bet the $3000 on a +200 underdog. And again, if you've made it to this point and you won your first bet, 31% of the time, and guys, 31% is not impossible, you will now be left with $9000 in your account. Now I want to clarify, this isn't 31 total percent of the time after you won that first bet it doesn't change your odds for hitting the second plus 200 bet so long as your capping is correct. So following our example here, we are left with $9,000 in our bankroll and we have $6,000 left to gamble to fulfill our rollover. So we do it again. We go for broke. Well, not necessarily go for broke because we've got some some leeway because we have $9,000. We need to spend $6,000. So based on the hold... If you bet that last $6,000, we are left with a total theoretical loss of minus $158.16 compared to the original way where your theoretical loss is minus $500. You lost theoretically way less than the $500 in theoretical hold of the sportsbook's expected return for the bonus. Look, theoretical outcome is now. $841 Eight hundred and forty-one dollars instead of the five hundred. Let me let me let me put this a different way. I understand that about ninety percent of the time, ninety point four percent of the time, you lose your original five hundred dollars with my system that I just gave you. Ninety point four percent of the time, you lose that. It, it's gone. The bonus is gone. Your money's gone. That's why we said you have to be comfortable losing that money. But nine point six percent of the time, you end up with twenty-one thousand dollars starting from a $500 deposit. So on average, the math says, we will end up with an average of $841 with my method compared to $500 with the slow grind method. Because now... Let's say if losing $500 is a big deal to you again, go for the safe thing. Go for the grinding. Because if you can if you can find some good bets, get that hold potentially down to 4%, well, now you're you know, now you can make a couple bucks, you know? So now now it's a completely different game. So if you're looking to just make that 500 last, you're, you're a, a, a $5, $10 better, you wanna make that, you know, stretch that through the season, fine. That, that's great. It's whatever you're looking for. I would not recommend going for broke if that's your goal. But if you can afford it, if you're willing to lose that 500 and want to implement this idea, the second way I explained, although it may sound insane, is certainly the best EV route to go. More often, the more often you go for broke, the less often you have to give the sports book their expected losses back. It's really effective for bettors to do this. Again, 90.4% of the time doing this, you'll lose the original 500, but 9.6% of the time, you'll end up with 21 grand, an average of ending up with $841. The other way, you put in 500, you get 500 back, and you grind that $10,000 out, losing the 5% hold, you're going to end up with $500 the other way compared to 841 on average my way. So the average is up there. You can see that clearly this is the best system. I mean, clearly if you have the money, this is the best way to approach it because over the long run, your your chances of making that money in 10% is not impossible. Guys, 9.6% is not an impossible thing. And it's just, look, overall, this is just a way to show all of you out there that there are different ways to approach this. You know, the 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 whole idea of picking games and going 55% over the long run, it's just, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to beat the book just picking games. And I know if you spend any time on Twitter, you may think otherwise because all these guys going 80%, but I promise you it's not enough just to do what they're doing. If you're going to truly make money betting sports, you have to approach things from a very, very different point of view. You have to get a creative. You have to get nuanced. You can't just bet one to five units every game and make money. You've got to have different ways to attack sports books. So to kind of wrap everything up, managing a bankroll is not easy. Anyone who's got multiple outs understands this. And if you're going to appropriately handle your money in all your books, do a couple things: proactively take money out of the winning uh, out of the winning books and have a portion of your money that's determined to be in your bankroll, not in a sportsbook account, so you can quickly and easily get it into sportsbook accounts. Once you've learned how to manipulate and kind of work your money on different levels and on different outs, find a good system that works for you. The fixed unit betting system, the Kelly Criterion, whatever it is, find one that you are comfortable with. Then find angles to bet into and do so creatively, like we talked about the baseball idea, right? round robin in games, if you th- sense there's something going on with the scoring and the outcome of one game would mean all of your games are more likely to hit, it's getting creative. It's, it's doing something within the rules that a sports book would never really uh, think that you would do or assume you would do, but we are using it because it's tool at our disposal and we can maximize our profits by betting into certain angles that way. And last, the bonus is, you know, that's just an example. The, the, the Angles thing with baseball, an example. The bonuses, just an example. But my point to everyone out there is if you start looking at this from a different lens, a different angle, you can start doing things that'll maximize your profits and start making more money and in turn, increase your edge, right? When I talk about doing this crazy system where you go for broke with the bonus, the reason we got there was because I didn't want to just get the money and, and let it ride. I wanted to see, is there a way we can do to the sports books what they're trying to do to us, and the answer is yes. Because with that system, I gave you guys by going for broke, we actually take away the expected losses that the house gets from us. So it's not just enough to make games and, and to make a couple picks and to let those go. You've got to always be tuned into the books, tune into the moving lines, tune into your bank account, and more importantly tuned into the rules, knowing how to exploit sports books and how to make the most money possible for yourself. Thanks so much for listening today. Have a nice week. Good luck, whatever you've got going on today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Sports Betting Daily.